Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it up and turn with me. We'll be in the, the book of First Peter. It's towards the, uh, to the right, it's towards the end of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, you can find this reading on page uh, 980, 980 in the Pew Bible that's in front of you, uh, or you can look it up on your mobile device of choice. If you are unfamiliar with, uh, the, with church in general or specifically with our church, then uh, you'll want to know that each week we come together and we open up the Bible because we believe it to be the very Word of God that God uses his word to speak to us. And so we're so glad that, um, that you're here with us this morning and choosing to follow along and worship with us. You know, I, I belong to uh, a, a, a workout club. I belong to Lifetime Fitness. Uh, and I go because, uh, <clears throat> because it generally makes me a nicer, a nicer person. That's why, that's why I generally go. Um, and so I, was, I usually go about three, four times a week, four or five times a week. Uh, four times a week is the goal. That's the plan. Um, and so I, I, I was planning to go, and then I thought, well, I have a meeting in a neighboring community, and they have a lifetime fitness in their community. So what I'll do is I'll go to my meeting, and after, I go to the, and after the meeting, then I'll go to, the, go to the gym and I'll work out. And so that was the plan. We had a good meeting. The meeting went fine. Everything was, was going according to plan. And then I walk into the Lifetime Fitness, and I realize it looks nothing like the one that I go to. Like, absolutely nothing. A- except for there was a lady there who took my card, and so I swiped the card. <clears throat> and, then I, and then I walked past the desk, and then I just kind of stood there trying to figure out where, where to go. And so like, um, <laughs> like most guys, or at least certainly like me, I decided, well, I'm going to walk around confidently, uh, projecting uh, confidence like I know where I'm going, and I'll find my way, because after all, how hard can it be to find a locker room? So I decided I'm going left, and so I went left, and I started walking down the hallway, and then um, realized soon that there were offices there and no locker rooms, and so I thought, well, this isn't right. So then somebody starts walking towards me, so, <laughs> so, this, so I turn towards the wall, and... <laughs> pretend like I, I'm staring at whatever is hanging on the wall. I have no idea, but that's what I did. I, I, I'm not proud of it. I'm just being honest with you. Um, uh, and then I realized, so then that person walked away. I made sure they were far enough away from Then I turned and went back down the hallway, and then there was a cafe there, and, and then I walked past the lady at the desk again, which is never a good sign. You know, you're like, hey, I'm just, you know, going this way now. Uh, <clears throat> and so I went that way, and then... <laughs> Um, and then coming towards me is somebody I know. Um, so, so what you would probably do is say, hey, great to see you. Where are the locker rooms? That's not, that, that's not what I did. Instead, I said, hey, what's going on? How are you? I didn't know you go. I don't usually, you know, it's, uh, um, I don't usually come here. Um, but, but it's great to see you. And then he walked away, and I still had no idea where I was going. <laughs> so eventually, some guy walks past me very quickly. And I'm like, that guy, he knows where he's going. So I followed him. And then he took a left, and then he took another left. And there were locker rooms. And so I made it uh, to the locker rooms. And then I, I changed and I worked out. And then afterward, but as I was leaving past the lady at the desk, hey, uh, <clears throat> I thought, man, this was, this was really stressful. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe I brought it upon myself. I don't know. We can debate that later or never talk of this experience again. Uh, either way is fine. But I, I thought, man, that was really stressful. 
And, and then I realized what it's like to be in a new place where you're maybe unfamiliar. I mean, I've been, I've been going to gyms for a long time. I mean, I, since high school, I've been working out in a regular routine. So it's not like I didn't know my way around a, an athletic uh, facility. That wasn't the issue. The issue was I didn't know this particular one. And for some of you, you find yourself here this morning, and it's not because you haven't ever been in church or you've been around a church, but you come to this particular one and you kind of go, I don't know how to navigate my way through. And so I tell you this because I want, I want, I want to let you know that I understand. <laughs> I understand what it's, what it's like to, to be new and to be in a place where it's often not familiar. And, and I also want to invite you to continue to keep coming, to, to say, well, this, the songs aren't familiar to me, this, the space isn't familiar to me, the people aren't familiar to me, but, but, but maybe over the course of weeks or even months, it'll become more familiar and all of a sudden this becomes home. And so I want to invite you, I want to invite you to consider to come back and just recognize that it's not always comfortable on days like today. Well, I'm glad that you're here. I try to get to the gym four times a week, that's the plan. And I go, I, I, and I do fairly well, and I go because I need it, because it just makes me a better person just in general. It makes me better. It makes me bearable, right? That's really what it comes down to. It just makes me, it makes me bearable. I don't go to the gym in order that I can get a gold star for attendance, right? I don't go to the gym because I want to get buff muscles or ripped abs. Uh, I go because I want to have a healthy, flourishing sort of life. That's my, that's my goal. That's why I want to go to the gym. The problem is when I get to the gym, <laughs> because I get to the gym, and you know what I see when I get to the gym? I see people with ripped abs and buff muscles. I mean, they have biceps that are, that are bulging, um, and then I, I start going, well, maybe, maybe I should have ripped abs instead of the keg that I carry around with me most days. Um, uh, or maybe I should have bulging biceps like that guy. Or and then and then there then there's um, then there's all these products, you know, because apparently I should detox because I I have poison in me or something, and I need to get it out. And there's boxes there for only like a thousand dollars. I could detox, and then I could be healthy. And then and then if I do that, then I can. Uh, then apparently <laughs> they have these, you know, before and after because there's like these challenges, 60, 90 day challenges where people are. are I look like the before picture. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's me. And I look at it and I go, yep. Um, because, and I think maybe, maybe that's what I should be doing because I forget and I get distracted of why I'm really trying to be at the gym, which isn't to, to be chiseled, but it is to be healthy. And I was talking to one of the, one of the trainers recently, and she said to me, she said, you know, my favorite demographic to work with are actually those who are the older folks that come in because they forget, they've given up long time ago on all that other stuff. And the only reason they're there is so that they can live a little longer, so they can be a little bit more healthy. That's why they're there. They're there for that very reason. They're there for that reason. They're not distracted by all this other stuff. You know, sometimes, I, I wonder if you know that what the Christian life is really all about is Jesus calling us into flourishing and healthiness. That's his call for you. That's his call for humanity and mankind. He's calling you into flourishing. He's calling you into health. He's, that's his call for you. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's why he came, he said. That's why Jesus came to earth, was that we may know life and we may know it to the full. But here's the thing. Sometimes when you come 
into contact with Christians, sometimes when you come into contact with the church, it's easy to get distracted. Because Christians seem to be more concerned about judging one another. They seem to be more concerned about being right, about picking one another apart, than they are about flourishing and health. You come into the church, an organization that seems to be people working their own agendas, doing their own things, and you say, "Mm." but today is Easter. Today is a day of celebration. It's a celebration of life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. New birth. In another portion of the Bible, there's this gentleman by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader of Jesus' time. And he wanted to have a conversation with Jesus, and so he, made a, he had a meeting one night with Jesus, and he says, Jesus, you obviously are a man who is from God because no one can do what you do. No, nobody can do that. And then Jesus says to him, anybody who wants to know the kingdom of God, they must be born again. And Nicodemus rightly says, Hold on. Wait a minute. How can a grown man, is a grown man to get into his mother's womb? How, how? And this conversation continues, and then Jesus says to Nicodemus, the son of man, talking about himself, the son of man is going to be raised up. And anyone who believes and has faith in him will have eternal life. You must have new birth which leads to eternal life. Jesus needed to be raised. He hung on a cross. He died. And anyone who trusts in the sacrifice of Jesus in their place, on their behalf, he offers them new birth and new life. Peter says, the life that God is calling you to is actually a life, a new life. It is a new birth and a new life. And the reason this comes to you is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, then Jesus is calling you and I this morning into the resurrected life, a life that lives in view and in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's calling you into life with him, a life of fullness, a life of flourishing. And this morning, in the balance of our time together, I want to give you three characteristics of the resurrected life. Or start to answer the question, why should it matter that Jesus is raised from the dead? Why should that matter to you? What impact should that have on your life? Three characteristics of the resurrected life. First is we have a living hope. The resurrected life is a living hope. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says that the followers of Jesus, those who have been called into this flourishing, into this resurrected life, they have a living hope. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time telling you that there's a lot of hopelessness in our culture and our world these days, isn't there? It doesn't take but a cursory look at your headlines on your phone this morning to start going, what's going on in the world? We hear about a complicated relationship with Russia and the United States. This week we hear about North Korea and the nuclear threats that are happening there. 
we, we hear about Syria and the chemical warfare that's taken place in that country and the ongoing continued refugee crisis in our world. There's reason for hopelessness. Not to mention having a loved one who is battling cancer or coming in this morning knowing that you and your spouse are having difficulty and struggling ongoing in your relationship or the stable financial troubles that you find yourself in or the family tension that days like today and holidays like these only have a tendency, a tendency to escalate or the challenges in your workplace that don't seem to go away. There's reason for hopelessness. If we're searching for hope in the changing circumstances of our world, then there is great cause for concern and reasons to feel hopeless. But Peter says, those who have brought, been brought into the resurrected life of Jesus Christ have a living hope. The resurrected life says, I have a hope that is independent of my circumstances. I have a hope that is not dependent upon the things that are around me. I have a hope that is real, even in the midst of the everyday realities of my life. And the hope that I have is not based on my circumstances, but is based on the fact that the grave is empty. That I have hope because Jesus is alive. Christian hope. The Christian hope is, that, is not like we use the word hope. The, the hope in the resurrected life is not the way that we usually use the word hope. Because we talk about hope, we, we say, well, I hope that it doesn't rain, or I hope that we'll be able to go on vacation this summer, where there's a chance that it won't happen. But in the scriptures, in the Bible, when the, it talks about hope, it's a different kind of hope. It's a confident expectation, because it's rooted in the very work and the promises of Jesus. And so, he says, the resurrected life is a life that is rooted and established in the very resurrected hope or the living hope that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not based in the circumstances that are always changing and always swirling, but is based in the steady, consistent promises of God because Jesus died in order to bear the weight of all of the sin of all of humanity and on the third day he rose again and now he's ascended and seated at the right hand of the father and will one day come back for those who are his and so therefore the resurrected life has a foundation it's built on a foundation of hope and it is living and it is active because we have a living Christ who is alive now and interceding for us on our behalf and so therefore we have hope. In a world that breeds hopelessness, the resurrected life turns that upside down on its head and says, no, we will have hope because it's not based on the things that are swirling around me. It is based on the work of Jesus Christ and on the empty tomb. And so therefore, the resurrected life has a foundation of a living hope. The second characteristic of the resurrected life is that there's an enduring inheritance. Verse 4 says, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You see, the resurrected life has a radically different view of this material world, of the things of this world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes the way we view the stuff of this world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ ought to change the way we view our money. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes the way we view our material things and our investments with our time and our talents and our treasure, with all that we do. Let me ask you, when you, 
How is it that you normally spend and think about your time each week, your gifting, your talents, your skills, and your money and your resources? I would suggest to you that most of the time we spend our time thinking about our time and our talents and our treasures and our resources and we invest them back into this material world. Because why not? Because we need to live because we want to enjoy the wonderful things that life has to offer. We want to have a nice house. We want to have a cabin. We want to have a boat. We want to have nice cars to get us to our cabin and to our boat that's out on the lake. And so we toil and we work and we stress out and we suffer anxiety so that we can advance, so that we can get a raise, so that we can live, so we can live the version, our own version of the American dream that we think ought to come to us. And those are great things. It's great to have a job. It's great to have a house and a cabin and a boat and all the things that go with it. But the problem is they all perish, they all spoil, and they all fade. And we know this because as soon as you get the car that you want, the brand new car that you want, you drive it off the lot, it begins at that moment to depreciate. You take it right back. It's not worth what it once was because you touched it. And therefore, it started to depreciate right in front of your eyes. It did. I mean, I like my house. I've got a nice house. I think it's great. But it's got holes in the wall because I have kids. And so I spend time yesterday re watching YouTube videos on how I can be able. And I don't know how to fix stuff. But I got watching videos. YouTube's fantastic. Anyway, so I get there. And I, the guy makes it seem so easy. So, so I'm going to give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to call some people. <clears throat> Because why? Because it takes maintenance, because it takes worse work, because my house and my, even our relationships that we're investing in with our parents and with our children, with our relationships, they're spoiling and fading. They're not forever. The resurrected life says, I have an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. I have an inheritance that is not on this earth, but is actually kept in heaven for me because Jesus, who is the risen Christ, is actually holding it for me. And so therefore, it makes more sense that I will invest in that investment which will be for eternity rather than investing continually with all of my time and with all of my toil, with all of my energy, with all that I am so that I can continue to amass all this stuff that takes more time and energy and stuff to maintain it. And, it, and it's perishing and it's spoiling and it's fading and we know it and yet we continue to keep investing in it and investing in it and we double down in the stuff that's fading and perishing and spoiling. But the resurrected life says, no, I'm going to flip that upside down because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and therefore he has an inheritance that is for me and is for those who are his followers. And it is an inheritance that will never perish. It will never spoil. It will never fade. And he is a God who is infinitely wealthy. And it's for you. And so why not invest in that which will be all going on for all of eternity? Do you see the radical difference? Because when we're not finding our significance and our value and our self-worth in our stuff and in our jobs and in our titles and in our cars and our houses and our vacations and when we don't care where everybody else is going and they put it on Facebook and we're able to say, my significance and value and self-worth is wrapped up in the resurrected Christ who is holding for me an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, then you know what that does? It means I can let go of this stuff. 
It means this stuff doesn't have a grip on my life. It means I can give my money away. It means it's okay that maybe, maybe my neighbors think my house isn't eh, as great as everybody else's. It's gonna, you can't have a nice house and you can have all that stuff. That's great. But you can just enjoy it for what it is instead of finding all of your significance and value and self-worth wrapped up in it. No, because it is the inheritance that is held for us because of Jesus Christ's resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have an enduring inheritance. So the resurrected life, the resurrected life is a life that is resting on and is built on the foundation of a living hope. The resurrected life is one that has changed the way we view the material things of this life because we recognize we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade that is kept in heaven for us. And the resurrected life, thirdly, is this, that you can have real security. You can have a security that is real. Verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That you will be shielded by God's power. The resurrected life is a life that is rooted in the very security that only God can provide. Those who have the resurrected life through faith in Jesus Christ are shielded by God's power. In what do you find your security in these days? When there's a threat of nuclear bombs when there's all of this chaos that's swirling around, in what do you find security? Because you want security, as do I. Is it in your bank account? Is it in our government? Is it in your marriage or in relationships? Where do you find your security? Because we all long to be stable. We all long to know that we'll be secure. You know, the other day, I was watching TV with my boys because we use our time wisely. <laughs> I can't remember what we were watching. We were watching something like Mythbusters or some, some show like that, right? And then there was the, the, the commercials came, and, and then the, it turns out that they, they end up having this commercial, but it ended up being like a five-minute or eight-minute infomercial for LifeLock. Have you seen LifeLock? You know LifeLock? LifeLock, and so it, and they just, it wouldn't stop. It just kept coming at, and you think, well, you just get up and walk away. I didn't. I just sat there and complained to my boys. I'm like, ah, oh, when is this going to end, you know, because I'm lazy. Um, and so there I was, and it's LifeLock, and there was person after person who just kept sta- staring, just speaking through my TV at my, me going, oh, so LifeLock, if you don't know, um, they keep, they protect you from identity theft because people don't break into your house nowadays. They just break into your, your bank account. They steal your, your numbers and your stuff, and then they steal all your money, and then it's horrible. And so they tell these horrible stories about this happening, and then they tell of the salvation that comes with LifeLock, and now they say, now I feel so secure, and he's been a member since 2012, right? So there I am, and there it is. I'm watching this thing happen in front of me because they're selling me this idea that if I really want to have security, what I need to do is invest in LifeLock. By the way, they're one of my sponsors for this morning, so... <clears throat> Did I mention ADT? Um, <laughs> Another sponsor. Not really. I'm just kidding. They're, they're not really sponsors unless they want to be. Uh, we can talk. 
But ADT, that's what they tell you, right? That if you have a sign in your yard that tells everybody that there's going to be all of this security that's now surrounding my house because there's cameras and all that other stuff, and now we can watch from our phones to make sure that nobody's inside our house, or we can spy on our kids, you know, which is pretty awesome, um, I have to admit. But it's this idea that somehow we'll be able to secure ourselves if we can just secure our money, if we can just secure our homes, if we can just sort of divorce-proof our marriages, if we can just sort of protect our kids, then somehow we'll have this security in our life. But we've, and we're actually fooling ourselves into thinking that we have control because there's nothing that actually can provide the security that we long for in this world. Because just a couple of days ago, one of the teachers from Maple Grove High School finds himself on the golf course dead of a heart attack. Because, a coll- because I receive an email from a, a pastoral colleague of mine up in Duluth who dies in a house fire. A house fire. Who, who dies in a house fire? He did. 20 minutes, gone. Life radically changed. Because none of us can control that. Not one of us. The security of the resurrected life is a security that is not based in the security structures of this world, but is, is rooted in the very shield of Almighty God. God who created all things. God who has always existed. God who is all-sufficient and all-powerful says for those who trust in him, I have a shield that is around you. I am the one who is your security, not only in this life, but in the life that is to come. I am the one because I am the one who gives you the enduring inheritance. I am the one in which you find your living hope. And I am the one in which you ultimately find your security. It is only rests in God. And it happens because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. The tomb was empty. And so therefore we know that he will come back and he will restore all things so we can have security in our life and we can go out into this unstable world and we can look at our newspapers and we can look at our neighbors and be able to say to them I have a security I have a confidence I have a strength because all of my life and all of my stuff and all of that is me is not found in this place but is ultimately found in Christ the risen Christ Jesus says I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This is full life, friends. Knowing that you have a hope. Knowing that you have an inheritance. Knowing that you have a security. And nothing can give that to you except Jesus Christ. Do you know this life? Have you invested in this life? And if you do, then be reminded and live out of the very hope that comes from the resurrected Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that in him and only in him can we have hope. Thank you that in him and only in him can we know that our wealth is not wrapped up in the material things of this world, but is actually wrapped up in the inheritance that is being kept for us by him. That we will always be taken care of because we have a wealthy God who has an inheritance for us. And will you remind us of the security that we have in an unstable world that we can be those who live a stable life because our security is in the very shield and promises of God. 
Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is raised and is living and active in our world these days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.